Becoming a Pharisee. The call it that I just prayed earlier was, Oh God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments. And here is all his commandments. By loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. <clears throat> I wanted to once again re re read the verse from 1 Thessalonians 2.8 in the English Standard Version. It says, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. That is my heart. It has been my heart for most of my time in seeking to be in ministry, to be a vessel that God can use as not only to teach and preach the gospel, but for myself to to be available uh, in any way that I can serve. <clears throat> the uh, I, I really focused on the words in the collet of of keeping all the commandments of God by loving God and our neighbor. In the request for the grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit that we might be able to be devoted with our whole heart and that we would be united to one another in pure affection. Well, happy Independence Day, one day late, because no one has ever said, Happy Dependence Day. The image that we have of Pharisees, at least during the time of the incarnation of Christ and his earthly ministry along the side of his disciples and friends, is that of self-righteousness and legalism, along with a generous, generous helping of pride and elitism. That's generally when we say Pharisee, those are types of images that we have. I see nothing in the New Testament to indicate that there was any level of real community within the camp of the Pharisees. Instead, one can assume that they, like most good patriotic Americans, were intensely independent. The spirit that helped build this great country is one that recognizes the need that we all share to be recognized as having value and worth. It was born out of the trials of living under a harsh class system. The American dream is a life lived under good leaders, not rulers who are always trying to protect the amenities enjoyed by those at the top of the pyramid and to maintain the power that they hold in order to stop any threats from rivals or rebellions that might arise. Almost every reform movement I can think of has been an attempt to shift the power from the current ruling class to those who believe they can do a better job themselves. It seldom works out that way. Christ lived during a time when there was widespread peace. A peace that was the result of the power gained from the 
powerful Roman army that had conquered all the rival kingdoms in the Middle East. The Hebrew people lived under the thumb of the system devised to maintain order, prevent successful uprisings, and collect taxes. The emperor appointed a governor who had Roman centurions reporting to him and used Hebrew tax collectors to accomplish his goals. The Jews themselves were also ruled by their own Sanhedrin, a court made up of the chief priests and other scrib scribes and rabbis, and a system of lower courts. The Jewish people were, waiting, were awaiting the arrival of the promised Messiah. They were looking for a great leader who would, like King David, have God's favor and lead them to freedom from the rule of the Roman emperor and his army. Jesus was not that kind of leader. Instead of building an army of fierce, fierce warriors, he instead taught his disciples about the radical concept of grace and the necessity of loving not only your neighbor, but even to love your enemies. He was gentle, and he had the heart of his servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus talked about the importance of self-examination, of checking your motives, inspecting the fruit of your life, and keeping your heart from growing hard. The driving force that forms our dreams and goals and the decisions that we make is tied to a heart, is best tied, is best when tied to a heart that is aware of the grace and unconditional love given to anyone who asks. A love that frees us to live in the present, not carrying the burden of our past mistakes, nor wrecked by the anxiety of the lack of, the lack of control that we have over the future, over our future. The human tendency, no, it's much more than a tendency. It's a bent driven by gear force winds so strong the only way to escape the force of the pull is to take down the sails from the mast of the ship called self-reliance and to surrender to the wind of the spirit. A wind that blows where it wishes, we hear its sound but we do not know where it comes from or where it goes. Science has proven there's more power in tiny particles that cannot be seen by any eye than in any conventional bomb that can be made from what is seen. I believe the message Jesus came to teach that there's more power by following his example of having a servant's heart, forgiving and loving your enemies and trusting the unseen wind of the Spirit than any success that can, can be accomplished by human strength and willpower. The strong force within our fallen DNA is to develop a list of rules to keep and then to divide our families and neighbors into two groups, those who keep the rules and those who don't. So it is imperative that all the rules will be those kind that can be easily observed. No one can know what thoughts are in my mind or what the motivation of my heart is. 
no matter how good I am at keeping up the appearance of staying within the limits of the rule book, no one can know the true condition of my soul. When a parent knows or at least suspects that his or her own heart is sick, they're going to attempt to teach their children to rise above their own failures, to make better decisions than they themselves did. But that is not possible. Jesus demonstrated and taught us that the path to a whole heart is to trust him to redeem our sick heart. To take that dark, stubborn, fearful heart out and replace it with a new heart that beats in sync with his. Only a parent who has received the new heart that is soft and tender can impact their children and neighbors and lead them to experience the healing power of the love of Christ. A person who, is for, who has been forgiven much is more likely to cease dividing the world into us and them and to see every person as a fellow image bearer worthy of our forgiveness and our love. To avoid the elitism that was so prevalent among the Pharisees and continues to plague us in every organization, every church that's uh, been known to man. That's not the way of Christ and that's not the gospel that he brought us. In today's gospel reading from Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30 were come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the people, the Jewish people, the people at that time were under a heavy laden, a heavy burden, a heavy yoke. They had hundreds and hundreds of rules to follow. Take my yoke upon me, he said. Learn from me. In another place, he said, follow in my example. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That verse I started out with from 1 Thessalonians 2.8, and Eugene Peterson's The Message reads like this. Even though we had some standing as Christ's apostles, we never threw our weight around or tried to come across as important with you or anyone else. We weren't aloof with you. We took you just as you were. We were never patronizing, never condescending, but we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly, not content to just pass on the message. We wanted to give you our hearts, and we did. And I guess that's what I'm praying and hoping for in my life, in my ministry, and for your lives, and your ministry, and for this parish, is that we not just be content to pass on a message, but that we trust Jesus to let us impact others so that they'll also experience the redemption of a truly restored and healed heart. 
Yes, God, we do pray today that you teach us to keep all your commandments from a pure heart by loving you and our neighbors and our enemies, that the Holy Spirit would help us to be totally and wholly devoted with you and united with one another with pure affection. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and proclaim our common faith in the Nicene Creed.